This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Josh, I'm great. Uh, my symptoms for IBS, International Break Syndrome, not so bad this time around. Mm-hmm. And I was actually thinking, what's the difference between this international break versus the last? And how far we've come as U.S. soccer fans. Christian Pulisic, last international break, was leaving the field uh, against Canada in tears. <laughs> Yeah. Because his form was so off the boil. And now he is top of the list of Chelsea assets to bring into our FPL side. The yep. stories the stories have completely changed. That's true. They added Dest as well, this uh, Netherlands uh, young, young Ajax player, too. So yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. Huge uh, moment for the U.S. Soccer Federation. And it's also just a huge moment for always cheating. Because who bagged a brace during this international break, Josh? <laughs> Timu Puki. Uh we're all bringing it back in, right? It's it's got to happen. And Lord Sorloth, lest you oh, forget. Lord S- <laughs> all of our patrons. I bet Sam Vokes out there. I got a brace for for Wales as well, and just completed the whole completed he, the whole he, set. He at least scored a brace uh, while playing FIFA twenty, if nothing else. So, uh, <laughs> probably playing uh, online with Embakani. So we're recording this podcast uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, so there are some international matches still taking place, uh, but. We wanted to get this one in nice, nice and early. Get people who are starting to who are starting to get antsy about them really coming back again. And I, I'm kind of with you. This this last break did not hurt as much. I was talking to uh, Tom Cantle from Who Got the Assist on Twitter earlier this week, and he was saying that you know the first break you're like, oh my god, I cannot believe there's already a break. I'm just I'm just getting excited about the football. Uh, the second break you're like, I'm finally making progress. How can there be a break now? And the third one you're like, okay, there's like. 
eight fixtures coming up in the next five weeks. I can take, <laughs> take yeah. one, like it's like one, it's, it's like a getting like home leave before you ship off or, you know, a rack yeah. or something like that. And you're like, all right, I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to see the family. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be gone for a long time. And I need to, I need to reconnect with my loved ones before I give myself over, yeah. uh, to, to fantasy, you know, especially, with, especially because it goes through the holidays, you know, there's just so much, yeah. so much coming up. And really this is, this is it for international breaks. I think until, Maybe February or March. I mean, you'll have some FA Cup, you know, matches in there too. But mm-hmm. um, it's the last one for several months. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're in it now, man. I was just reading on FPL General's Twitter feed. He boiled it down to nine game weeks in the next 40 days. So, wow. yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. all systems go. So what we're doing on this podcast is an all mailbag. We have lots of great listeners out there. You sent in some questions. And, Josh, you've separated them into – sort of smaller, more granular questions, and then we'll take a break and get into the big, larger, more strategic questions near the end of the pod. Exactly. So the first half will be questions looking ahead. Uh, a, lot, a lot of questions about uh, festive fixtures and the holidays and planning for that and some players who have good fixtures um, or just or just players, you know, who maybe don't have great form, but we might want to keep an eye out for um, assuming that their form turns. I mean, Harry Kane is, is, is one that we'll need to talk about, for example. Uh, and the second question, yeah, just lots of interesting sort of big picture, um, you know, like how do you strategize for the rest of the season type question. So, um, yeah, but I wanted to get the red meat in early Brandon. All right. You know, <laughs> do you drop Sterling? Do you drop KDB? Who are your three Liverpool players? Let's get all that red meat discussed right off the bat. Uh, so before we get into that, just a quick shout out, uh, to, uh, shout out to our patrons and a shout out to, uh, you and me, Brandon, we did a dual, <laughs> um, we did a dual, uh, kitchen table podcast, uh, last Thursday where we did 75 minutes on the star Wars franchise. You did not yeah. know that you needed Josh and Brandon to go 75 <laughs> Five minutes deep but i listened back in like incredibly vain sort of way to the podcast the day afterwards and i thought you know yeah. what this is not bad i kind of enjoyed it <laughs> 75 minutes is about as long as the obi-wan anakin lightsaber duel at the end of <laughs> revenge of the sith so i think that was an appropriate amount of time for us to talk talk about yeah. that and we do these special exclusive podcasts for our patrons if you join us at the producer level you can throw out any topic and we will do a special exclusive podcast not on that topic we are more than fpl josh we're fully fully fleshed out round, well-rounded individuals Right. We like sports and Star Wars, like any uh, white white <laughs> yeah. guys, right? And if people if people complain, we'll stop. You know that that seems fair. Uh, yeah. yeah, we actually have a new we have a new producer patron, Andy Martin, and he wants us to do a podcast on uh, on British comedies. Which uh, I mean, people need to hear two Americans talk about British comedies, right? But you, I actually would t- I would absolutely do that. I have so many opinions. Yeah. Uh, much like I think you and I have both seen like. I'll, I'll key British comedies. I feel like we've seen so, uh, and I have recited know. to uh, my wife various Mitchell and Webb looks sketches. You know, just yeah. uh, as a one man show style, many times. So it's a subject that's oh, yeah. near and dear to our heart. So yeah, let's let's quickly thank our new Patreon members. Of course, Andy Martin, who is our new uh, producer. Thank you, Andy, for joining the family. Also joining at the Lord Sorloth tier, big thanks to Joshua Moraton, Raul Chadega, Ross Whitehouse, what a last name that is, Tony Tomasic, and Matt Blaker. Big thanks to you guys. If you're interested in learning more about what it means to be a patron and supporting the Always Cheating pod, visit patreon.com slash alwayscheating, where you can find out how to get access to those exclusive pods. Join our private Slack forum where we can chat FPL, TV, film, 
beer or whatever it is that you like right there with other AC listeners. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. And uh, that that's it for intro. We're going to jump right into the questions from here. So um, let's 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 do it. And by the way, I don't really want to talk. I don't think there's much to say about the international break so far. Um, it feels like I mean, this the Sterling Gomez thing feels like it's kind of done. Right. So I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything to say about that. Maybe it makes me slightly more inclined to Captain Sterling uh, in yeah. game week 13. But that's 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 about it. Before we get started with the questions, I just have a dedication uh, for everyone who's listening. Uh, because it's international break and there was no football yesterday morning, I took my wife out to brunch and we got our uh, brunch cocktails. We raised our glasses and my wife looked me in the eye and she said, to the international break. So <laughs> this podcast is dedicated to all the uh, the spouses, the partners, the children, the, the mothers widows. and fathers. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the sports widows who get their loved ones back for this weekend. Here's to you. All right, I like that. That's 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 amazing. Yeah, and uh, and and it's it's Sunday afternoon, and we have left our families behind to start podcasting. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's over now. You take uh, it. You take that money and us. run. Uh, All right, let's get into the questions here. Uh, Again, uh, this is part one of the mailbag, and we're looking ahead with these questions, Brandon. No break. We're just jumping right into it. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah Johnson says, the future template, who's in it? Who drops off? I'm actually going to pair this with another question, which is Jeff Washmaw says, Christmas planning, December kills me every year, both in the league and the cup. Uh, I read tweets saying strong bench, blah, 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 but I don't feel they're especially insightful. What is a nice rotation proof starting 11 uh, for the festive period? So just just to get us started here, you know, the template, it's when you when you look when you look at I guess I'll ask you the question first, Brian, when you look ahead to to the holidays. Um, do you put a serious premium on having a full 15? Does that matter to you? You know, like 15 players in your team, all of them can start, maybe not goalkeeper, but certainly the other 14. It's, it's really ideal. It is ideal. And, uh, right now I have a 15th player, a non-playing defender in addition to a non-playing goalkeeper. And it is a bit of a worry. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Navarro from Watford. I, I'm looking to actually change him into somebody with my two free transfers heading into game week 13. So the, I think the reason why people uh, focus on this advice of having players on your bench that will uh, rotate in during the festive fixtures is because the first level of advice is to get in really good players from really good teams that can start and you'll just have to deal with that rotation. The idea that you're going to get in a starting 11 that is totally rotation proof is a myth. Right. Yeah. So you want to, I, I think the, the one like little rule of thumb, you know, this is assuming you typically have two defenders on your bench, um, is that when I'm, Thinking ahead to the fixtures, I try to bring in defenders because those defenders on your bench t- tend to be cheaper defenders, you know, four four point five million or cheaper. So when in doubt, I always go with center backs, uh, just because center backs tend to be less of a rotation risk. They're not running as much, especially with the modern fullbacks who are just like, you know, just running like bursting forward, you know, constantly. And so those even even in the um, sort of the promoted clubs or the clubs you know at the bottom of the table those tend to be more rotatable spots where someone like Lewis Dunk is just going to play I, I probably I, I suspect he'll end up playing all 38 weeks this season yeah, um, yeah you know and so that's that's like a little tiebreaker thing for me I'm sure you is that something you're thinking about with your with your Navarro replacement like you're maybe you're looking for a Center back. Exactly. I'm looking at Soyuncu at Leicester because uh, exactly that. And, and Leicester is an interesting example because you do have those flair 
fullbacks like Chilwell and Pereira, who are slightly more expensive. Maybe they'll have more attacking returns. But yeah, I'm looking to diminish those headaches. Um, well, Le- Leicester even... It, Leicester is really actually the perfect team to look at if you're talking about festive fixtures because here's a club that has no other obligations outside of league play. Uh, even in in the cup, that's exactly when they will be able to rest Chilwell and Pereira. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think what I'm thinking of the rotation concerns is where I'm still not willing to make compromises would be somebody like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's just going to come off the back of Two 90-minute yeah. England performances. <laughs> right. He's going to be playing in the Champions League. And he's going to want to play as many minutes as, for Liverpool as possible. When is he going to get a rest? That's one that you're probably going to be sweating yeah. you know, when the Boxing Day team sheets come out. It's it's true. And some players are so good that you just have to deal with the rotation risk. And I agree that Trent is one of them. It's it's funny how unsettled even my most expensive players feel on my team right now. You know, when I think about the future template, um, you know, Jeremiah's question. I mean, I it wouldn't surprise me if I didn't have Sal in my team, if I didn't have Sterling in my team. Um, I mean, you know, it's probably those Chelsea. You know, it's uh, actually even Mason Mount. Uh, I, I could see myself dropping for sure, for sure, Mason Mount. Uh, yeah. it, like Tammy Abraham, Trent. That feels like those are like the two spots, like the two, maybe Matt Ryan. Like those are like the three yeah. players. So I can't imagine going anywhere else. The other. And Lund- Lundstrom. Oh, and Lundstrom, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're talking about maybe like, you know, obviously I, I most of the players on my current team will still be in that team in a few weeks time, but um, I don't feel, you know, locked in. I mean, I'm just looking at my 11 right now. I mean, yeah. Jamie Vardy, Soyuncu, those probably, they probably aren't going anywhere either. But, you know, I mean, I could see a situation where I drop. Farty. I could, you know, not right now, given his form, but um, I mean, I'm not sure that I still that I think he's like a 25 goal scorer this season. The players like Vardy and Jimenez also comes to mind. They are reminding me of last the last festive period in 2018. I was falling down the ranks and I dropped a few players. And I remember uh, a, a pivotal moment when I brought in Hungman Son and Marcus Rashford. And they were two informed goal scorers with great fixtures. And, you know, they have a great FPL uh, history, but they helped boost me because they were the right goal scorers for that right moment. And Vardy and Jimenez, they feel like they're in their moment right now. But also, but but maybe they are players that you can rotate in and out with your transfers, depending on who looks good and who has the good fixtures during the festive period. Yeah, so I wouldn't. I I'm with you. I wouldn't classify them as template players at the moment. One thing looking, that looking ten weeks ahead. One thing that we did before this pod was we we just we we're looking at the season ticker and we grouped them by. Uh, fixture difficulty. And it's interesting that Liverpool and Leicester are both right up there. And Leicester and Liverpool actually don't have a fixture in game week 18. And so that is a tricky thing, right? Because like I have three Le- Liverpool players right now. There's a good chance I, I have three Liverpool players for the next five weeks. Um, you know, but I don't know. Like I, right now, I don't want to build my strategy around moving one of those players before game week 18 or, you know, like having like a plan. In my, do you have a plan for game week 18 right now? Is that something you're thinking about at all? <laughs> um, yeah, it, yeah, it's a pro it's a problem because I don't have any Liverpool attack and I view that as a short term problem. Mm-hmm. But game week 18 is 
is far enough away where I feel it. And the Liverpool's fixtures are so good between now and then. Right. I'm like, well, I should definitely get Sadio Mane or somebody. Right. However, like the more I put it off, the closer game week 18 gets. <laughs> and then the, that yeah. it's creeping in of like, well, should I just wait? Do I have enough yeah. firepower as it is? And a lot of it really comes down to uh, how Manchester City look coming out of this international break because I have Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne. And De Bruyne is another one of those players where I think he shifted out of the template. Uh, he's off. Sterling, yeah. that's it's 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 arguable. But if they come back strong from the break, can I ride Sterling and De Bruyne through that game week 18 blank for Liverpool and get away without any Liverpool coverage? Yeah, someone had a question. It, it didn't end up actually making the, the running order, but it was some tally of how many points. It's like, let's see, 9, 11, 13. Yeah, so it's K- KDB has 13 combined points in his last five matches. Uh, so he's averaging now. Granted, one of those he didn't play, um, but that's always going to be the risk with the, with a man. That's that's part of the risk you run with with having a Man City player, right? Is that they're just not going to play at all. And so uh-huh. I think it's fair to include his zero in that average. But you know, thirteen points averaged across five fixtures is is dreadful. You know, I mean, it's really um, you know, it's and I don't know. I, I guess when I think about the template and. Or the you know the templates you know when I think about you know who the the players to own are who you know the players you want for the upcoming you know few few game weeks it does get me thinking a little bit more about this like question of patience which has always been kind of like a hallmark of a good fantasy manager is like you've got to be patient you've got to see it through you've got to you know like let these players kind of rise and fall uh, and this has not I think been a great season for the patient manager would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, it's It's been challenging to jump, to recognize who's going to be the goal scorer that goes on a run like like Jimenez or Vardy. Those are the ones that obviously stand out right at this moment. And yeah, the, the, the seasoned veteran manager thinks I can ride this out and then they end up, you know, present yep. company included, ranked around 500K. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... You know, and and you always kind of, I mean, and I guess actually this is why it's useful for us to start talking about the festive fixtures because the festive fixtures are the kind of rocky shores that separate the serious fantasy manager from the more casual one, right? Because yeah. if you are not a serious fantasy manager, then setting and resetting your team every couple of days while you're like, you know, wherever back home in Michigan with your family, you know, and you're like. Having like your eggnog one evening, you're like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> I'm going to set my team. You know, it's, it's yeah. easy enough to do if you're the kind of person who listens to this podcast. But when you think about the 6 million managers out there, a lot of them aren't going to do it. And so it's a great opportunity, I think, to start planning ahead because if you've yeah. got a strong 15 and you're also thinking about captains and you're thinking about rotation, um, you're just going to be – there's a chance for huge, huge gains to take place during this run. Let's talk about this one last way. So you've ordered the fixture ticker in order of difficulty mm-hmm. through game week 21. Who's at the top? It's Crystal Palace. Right. So this no is what I'm thinking. <laughs> no one's talking about them. And this is like what I was saying in terms of what do you prioritize, your bench or your starting 11? You And you want to focus on bringing in good players from good teams with good fixtures. You don't want to end up trying to skirt rotation by bringing in average players from average teams. Right. And Crystal Palace, it, you could view Crystal Palace as a trap in that way and that they have an incredible run of fixtures. Uh, 
save Liverpool in game week 13 all the way through the end of the festive fixtures. But are you going, are you, are you going to recommend that Jordan Ayu be a solution to a problem that you have through the festive period? Well, I mean, there's like a, there's a spot for him in my team, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was actually thinking more like they're 4.5 million defenders. I mean, you know, maybe Gary Cahill, who's only Uh 4.5 million, is a great option, you know, um, center back. I mean, there's a good chance he plays all of those matches over the holidays. And, you know, during a really rotation prone moment, game week 17, they host Brighton at home game week 18, away to Newcastle game week 19, home to West Ham 20, away to Southampton 21, away to Norwich. There, there are some clean sheets there for sure. I think for, for palace. So, um, it's more about stability. Yeah. It's not like a game changing thing, but you know, I mean, when it, during a tricky time like that, an extra, you know, a four or five point difference between whoever you have and, and a clean sheet can make a big difference. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I actually, I've, I've, I've long sort of thought about Palace as a team that I want to have one of their defenders. I just think they're like a pretty reasonable team, you know, like they're kind of a, they're not a great fantasy team in some ways, but they're the kind of team that's pretty solid, fairly, fairly strong, fairly disciplined. Um, not really going to beat a lot of the teams that they should beat or I mean, that they shouldn't beat except for Man City for whatever reason. Um, yeah. but I, you know, but I like when they have a good fixture at home against a team that isn't that strong, I do feel fairly confident they can keep a clean sheet in those matches. Yeah. It's a good point. I mean, they only kept three on the season, but I guess given how the season's gone, it, keeping three clean sheets is like, it's like best <laughs> it's in the league, right? <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> um, so yeah, I think, uh, and then the other team is, uh, Aston Villa and you, you still have McGinn, right? In your squad. I, I still have McGinn. He scored for Scotland uh, during the break. So, yep. you know, it's there are always these very minimal positives for John McGinn. He's always hanging on. He's the mm-hmm. guy, you know, the the beloved FPL party metaphor. John McGinn's always going to be on the invite list. Is yep. he the life of the party? Probably not. But you're but, you know, if you show up and he's there, it's a pretty decent party. <laughs> so. You're looking at you're looking at game weeks 18 and 19, two home fixtures back to back, Southampton Norwich, and that's pretty exciting. That might be enough for me to hang on to John McGinn. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're, you you've laid it out game weeks 13 through 21. That's a pretty long span of time, but right. I think with some players that are are average or marginal players in your squad, if you can find two to three weeks within this stretch where you right. think that you can get uh, a month and a half's return from them in those two weeks, then I think it could still be worth hanging on because, yeah, as we say, this stuff, this all these fixtures are going to come in, in in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I, I I did it through the game week twenty one because that's the uh, the January first fixtures are game week twenty one. So I think that's it's useful to when as you start to look ahead, if you're looking at season tickers or you're just you're looking at different players, it's. That's that's really the stretch, you know, because usually that first FA Cup weekend is when everybody finally gets a rest, you know. So, right. um, so yeah, it's uh, those are the two that that yeah that that maybe we aren't talking about enough. Maybe more. I I would definitely consider a um, an Aston Villa defender as well. I mean, they've had some really strong performances at home this season. So um, yeah, even McGinn possibly McGinn for Mount, tempting. McGinn for Mount, you're getting a little bit of cost savings there. And the the lasting appeal of McGinn is that he's undroppable. Uh, he's He is Milner-esque. I don't know if he's a little more – well, he's younger and faster. 
than Milner, but he plays a similar role in that he can he, he can be on dead balls, but he's also getting forward. So he he's the price just feels really right for him for this yep. stretch. God, I'm really talking myself into hanging on to him oh, through I, the festive fixtures. I, I genuinely think you should, and I'm definitely considering them again for Mount Move. I mean, I'd save a million yeah. that way. Right. Um, you know, that could I could upgrade my my forward line a lot more easily. So. Yeah. Um, Gilbert yeah. is Gilbert in the defense is also one to watch. He's been a bit of a yellow card machine since he got that regular start. I think he plays on the uh, on the right, but um, he has he's turned into a pretty decent attacking fullback for Villa. And if he stays out of real suspension trouble and he continues to lock down that that starting spot, I think he's he's a pretty good value defensive pick for Villa. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I did. I did. You realize that Sterling was on yellow card, so the suspension watch list for yellow cards. I somehow didn't realize <laughs> that. Uh, there was a question here about it. I guess I'll just say it now because I started saying it. But Peter S says, "Is it worth ditching Sterling on a wild card for the sole reason that he's on four yellows?" Um, I still think he's a great option, but I can't afford him, Monte Vardy, and KDB. So the four yellows seems like a valid excuse to exclude Raheem. Does that I don't know. Like, does that worry you at all? Him being on four yellows. Uh, you know, most of us would remember the Diego Costa <laughs> on four yellows for me too. And yeah. everyone was like, Diego Costa, he's a crazy person. He he's ill disciplined. That fifth yellow is coming imminently. So we all dropped him, and he proceeded to not get the. He outlasted the <laughs> suspension deadline and scored in virtually every game between now and. Yeah. and when he came came through unscathed and Sterling, he, you know, he's he's not known for picking up yellow cards. So it does seem like an overly cautious yeah. maneuver to get rid of him. And the thing I mean, is, he's been playing it, with a psychopathic fury this season. So, yeah. you know, the, 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 but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. He's not like he, the thing is, he's also he is going to get rotated at some point. Right. So if he gets a fifth suspension or I mean, a, a five yellow card suspension, then that'll just be the match that he gets rotated for, you know. Um, yeah. There's no way Raheem's going to play every, all the next, you know, the next eight matches. There's just that's it's never going to happen. It's it's not likely, and I think the other argument you could make for just staying with Sterling and and waiting until that suspension comes, if it does, is when it comes, then you will have like the up to the minute facts of who would you bring in for Sterling. Who is in form? Who has the best fixtures? Whether it's now or whether it's four weeks from now. So if you're if you're feeling anxious and overly cautious, and you drop Sterling now because of this, you know you honestly might not get in the right replacement for him because I don't. Do you follow my logic? I I don't mind Sterling for Mane, but I think anyone else, I just don't. It, it's so weird with City right now, you know? Isn't it like I mean? Do you feel like you have a strong opinion on what to do with any city player? Like, I, um, I mean, like a strong opinion. Like, I mean, I, we can talk about them and we can debate them and stuff like that. But yeah. I really don't feel like, oh, KDB, oh, Sterling. You know, I mean, I, I sort of see Sterling. I, mean, I guess my my take on it is that I see Sterling as like a season keeper, you know, and just I think. You look at the last two seasons, you know, 17 goals, 15 assists last year, 18 goals, 17 assists the year before that. Even even his the year before that, you know, when he was pretty young, he was seven goals and 14 assists. You know, he's got seven goals and one assist in the season so far. It's a little – he's actually probably a little below what you'd expect, especially if you consider that it was kind of inflated with that hat trick in the opening, opening match. So 
I expect him to meet his his previous numbers still, you know, and I mean, he's incredibly active in these matches and um, maybe been a little unlucky not to get more. And, uh, you know, Leroy Sané being out has probably hurt him a little bit too. He's had to play a little, a little further out wide. But my take on it is that I'm keeping Sterling for – for the long haul and uh, I'm going to write out any yellow cards or um, any, any kind of losses of form, which you know, arguably is what's happening right now. Um, although we did get 11 points just two game weeks ago. So um, it's less Sterling's think? form. I think it's more Manchester, Manchester city's form that seems yeah. to be dropping. We're in kind of uncharted territory with Pep's Manchester city and that we're just so used to them killing teams four or five, five goals and, or just not losing to Liverpool. Yeah. So I think that's that's really testing our nerves here. And if, yeah, I don't I don't feel strongly and I agree with you. Sterling does feel still feel like a season keeper. It seems ridiculous to think that even if City is struggling for their vintage form, they're still scoring goals and they will continue to score goals and you know, it it seems foolish to think that they wouldn't and, and Sterling would be easily be a part of it. So uh, but, but then it becomes a case of, well, in seasons past, you feel like you have to have at least two city players. And I feel comfortable in saying you really only need one city player. And that's where Sterling emerges, right? Because he feels right. like the, the best in terms of he will be involved or the, the, the highest likelihood of goal involvement is going to come from Sterling. And at least, Maybe, Kevin, you can make a case that De Bruyne would have the higher percentage of goal involvement, uh, but but more for assists. So, like, I, I should really do some math as, as far as this goes. But <laughs> Sterling, just goal scoring yeah. uh, uh, on the whole, I, I think I, he's the way to go. And I think given given uh, De Bruyne's fitness history the last year and a half or so, I, I see him as someone who's maybe a little more likely to get rotated over the fixtures as well. I mean um, – Pep has made some comments just this just the last this fall about how Sterling is like he just like kind of generate like he re, he regenerates you know really quickly and then you know after a really hard fought match the next day he's just kind of ready to go again ready to go he doesn't have a lot of injury problem I honestly can't think of any extended injury spell that Sterling's ever had um, yeah, in his in his career um, whereas Kevin De Bruyne has had just endless you know problems the last year and a half and so. Um, you know, the most recently this groin injury, which I think really did kind of knock him off his 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 great form to start off the season. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm with you. He kind of defaulted Sterling. I think David Silva, if he's back and fully healthy, uh, is another player who's maybe if you really just want to have one city player and maybe you just want to double up with Mane and Salah, he, Silva is an interesting option because he will get rotated, but he's capable. I mean, he's got four double digit returns in the season already. So. If you're the, if you you know if you have a deep bench and you don't mind the rotation risk, I think he's not a bad option either. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far myself, but uh, I hear you. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I, I would probably not have him by himself, but maybe with yeah. with Sterling. I don't know. All right, uh, let's move on to the next question. FPL KJ says, let's say Kane is a lock for all of us in game week 19 as he plays Norwich, Watford, Southampton, and Brighton over six games. When do you start planning for something like that? Uh, E.g., would it impact a Bobby over Robbo decision uh, now because it would be easier then to transfer in Harry Kane? Well, what do we know about Harry Kane? We know that he's he's scoring quite a bit. He just scored today for England. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's doing well for England. Yeah, but Spurs are not great right now, and Kane barely even touches the ball. 
when he's yeah. playing for Spurs. Yeah. So what we know right now is that Kane is a a big stay away as far as FPL. Yeah. And the the idea of I, I don't all that said I still don't hate the idea I see the fixtures and these two these three home home fixtures that KJ points out Norwich Watford Southampton Brighton four uh, that's great but this is a move that you'll always be just two transfers away from making so I would not worry about it now if thinking about this Kane move is inhibiting good decisions that you should be making now, particularly with regards to Robertson, then I think you're thinking about it the wrong way. I think Kane would be a fun player to maybe take a hit for if Spurs and Kane are in great form come game week 19, but I'm not planning for it going into game week 13 at all. Yeah. And I think virtually every player is just one is, is you know is, is two transfers away from being able to be brought in you know uh and and to bring in an expensive player you're always gonna have to sacrifice somebody there's just no that's just how it works you know and so you're gonna have to give up on somebody to to bring in someone like kane like you i can't imagine having him uh maybe i don't even you know i, I okay like a year ago at this time we were talking about jamie vardy like he was done you know mm-hmm. like he was just yeah. you know it was over for him um and kind of for lester as a fantasy asset it was all it was all over rogers comes in he's completely reinvigorated and so maybe kane is you know we, we'd sort of think about it as kind of like an injury issue or just that he's he's slow and isn't finishing chances but maybe you know maybe he just needs a fresh start either with a new manager or with a new club or something like that um and that and that kickstarts him a little bit you know mm-hmm. um and he's sort of back to where he was before and, and maybe he's just you know i don't it doesn't seem like anyone's happy right now playing for spurs and so um yeah i think that you know and it's hard to see that changing because the, the club is just it's kind of a stale squad right now you know and yeah. um you just kind of need to wait until they kind of move off all these players who want to leave um you know to start fresh what do you think the odds are that a managerial change happens for spurs around the holidays Say their form continues as it does now. Do you think Pochettino gets gets sacked right around the holidays? I don't think so. It doesn't seem like how they operate there. You know, it's kind of they're kind of arsenally where they're sort of they're going to wait. You know, so if Poch leaves, I don't think it would happen until I I think he he would either leave himself, like he would just decide to leave, or um, they would wait until the end of the season and then move on. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, our a question from a always cheating producer. It's Mike DePietro who asks, best time to use your wild card if you still have it? A great question from the one percenters of the world, Josh. <laughs> can, can, you, can you relate to <laughs> yeah. Mike here? Yeah. Um, well, because of the blank for Liverpool in Game Week 18, um, I think Game Week 19 might be the time to do it. Right, because you could maybe you could save up some transfers. You could have kind of like a almost like a free hit style team for game week eighteen. Yeah, and then you could wild card back into the team that you wanted in game week nineteen. You know, and I yeah. think that might be that 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 seems like the best time to do it. I mean, you know, fixtures fixture wise, I don't know. I don't. You know, it's hard, it's kind of hard to hard to say. I mean, it'll it'll, it'll all rise and fall. You know, and um, yeah. but I think. Uh, I think that's when I would do it. I would I would do it in game week 19 so that I could have a fun team for game week 18 and then I could kind of get the team that I wanted long term in, in 19. Well, that's the right way to think about it. You don't want to use your wild card to wild card into some kind of free hit team. Like you've identified 
a couple of game weeks uh, near the end of the year and you're like, I'm going to wild card into a great team for that period. And then you end up stuck with this weird team uh, from that point forward until you get your second wild card. So like wild cards, the reason why we use wild cards typically early on in the season is because they are for me best suited for fundamental restructuring of your Mm -hmm. team so that you, you can build a good foundation um, moving forward. So yeah, I like the idea of you've got that weird, tricky game week, 18 week that you can go into, have fun with it and then use the wild card to create the team that you want for the long term. That Sheffield played Brighton in game week 18 and I already feel like, like in fantasy, there's gonna be like everyone's gonna have like five players in that game. It's gonna be like one of those random games that only a fantasy manager wants to watch, but it will be incredibly crucial for for everybody. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a huge one. Next question comes from FPL Booster. He says, pick three strikers for the next five fixtures, Brandon. Three for five. Okay, three for five. Um, I love this game. I think you. I, I have one, I have two predictable picks here and one okay. that might feel like a wild card, but it would it feels shocking to say as much. So Vardy and yep. Jimenez, I sure. think, are the foreign players uh, um, decent, uh, affordable enough. My mm-hmm. third is then Aubameyang. If you look at Arsenal's fixtures coming up, it's home Southampton, Norwich, Brighton at home, West Ham, and City in game week 17, followed by Everton, Bournemouth, Chelsea United. Very much in the next five weeks, apart from that city home fixture, it's all just incredible goal-scoring fixtures for Aubameyang. We've forgot, forgotten about him because Arsenal have just com- gone off the rails. Right. I don't know if I'm making an argument that's counter to what I was making for Kane and don't think about Kane now, but Aubameyang seems different. He's been better. He's had better form this season too than, than Kane. He yes, he he's exhibited much better f- form. Where Kane seems kind of subject to the the uh, emotional landscape of Spurs, but he additionally hasn't been in great form. Where yeah, Aubameyang kind of seems immune to whatever dumpster fire situation might be happening <laughs> in, happening yeah. in Arsenal. Yeah, so I think that he's just one that maybe you start thinking about. I mean, I have Aguero up front right now and i am he's i'm urgently thinking of moving him right and Aubameyang, he's he's there i'm i'm thinking about him as a differential it makes sense i i do think that there's something to be said for uh that lacazette does seem to hurt uh Aubameyang as a fantasy asset i mean you look back at um lacazette's been back for four weeks now um and in that four week stretch uh, Bobby Hang has, has one goal and, and no assists. I mean, I'm not sure if that's, you know, how much of that is is uh, th- the fault of, of Lacazette. Um, you know, I, th- I mean, yeah, they had a couple tricky matches. I mean, way to Sheffield is a pretty, it, we now know that's a pretty tough match. But, you know, it's also Palace at home, Wolves at home, Leicester away. Um, I guess Leicester away is a pretty tricky match as well. So, I don't know. I mean, it's always going to be a mixed bag. I mean, you know, if you're going to spend, spend 11 million on a striker, though, you sort of expect them to be, slightly fixture proof right where you, could, yeah, you there's an right. expectation that they could score even in a in a, in a you know difficult uh home or away match um i like him too i mean if i were in your position i would probably make i wonder if you're thinking about doing it i would probably make the move for bombing for aguero to bombing like for this game week right you've got two transfers in hand is that what you're thinking of bombing 
Aguero to Aubameyang and then use that money to move um, your your four million defender into um, yeah Sianchu. Yeah, it's between Jimenez and Aubameyang for Aguero right now, and mm-hmm. I think Aguero makes way. Uh, he's traveled with Argentina over the break. Aguero has, and yeah, his his form is is not great. So I'm trying just to figure out what to do there, and it's between Jimenez and Aubameyang. It's a tricky who one. You, who are you? Yeah. Well, I guess who are if your I were three you, strikers. My yeah, who would I pick? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the boring answer is uh, I'd pick. Uh, I pick – well, I mean, I, I think I'm with you. I think um, – I mean, Vardy, obviously, great form, great fixtures. Tammy Abraham, great form, great fixtures. Uh, and how about Lise Mousset? Uh, Lise Mousset I like a lot as a – like as a player, you, you you wouldn't be afraid to stick on your bench. I mean, to me, this is the really the – the issue that I have is it's it, it can be hard for me to bench a third forward sometimes, you know, and so I yeah. just it's like I just I can I can always envision a scenario where they could score, you know. You're addicted so to that striker juice. You love I it. I am addicted to that striker juice, but I it seems like he is he's always been a talented player, you know. It never quite worked out for him um, at Bournemouth, but yeah, Chris Wilder just just seems like a manager gets the best out of players, you know, and he's just the best version of Lise Mousset is the version that we've seen the last few game weeks from him. And uh, two goals and three assists in his last four matches. Great run of fixtures coming up. Really great, actually. Um, you know, especially if you can look past the Man United match. Um, they have Newcastle, Villa, and Watford at home and, you know, three of their next six. So just, a, I don't know. I think, you know, he's only 5 million overall. He's owned by 2, 2.3% of managers. And that is really important for me. Uh, I really am starting to think a little bit about that ownership is a little bit of a factor. You know, I do want to um, have some players in my squad who do, I, I just feel like I'm a little stuck right now where even when I have a good game week, um, my team is kind of so similar to the teams above me that I'm not moving as much as I'd like. And so yeah. uh, I want to take a few more risks with my team. And so um, right. so I, I like Musse as a, as a pick for that reason too. All right, we have a question here. Reaching back into that mailbag, Josh, yep. in the mailbag, mm-hmm. I'm pulling out Jonas Jensen. Possible to go without Manchester City players at all. It's risky, but I think Liverpool, Chelsea, and Leicester are better right now. Maybe also Martial. So could you envision we, – we've talked about Sterling as a season keeper, so I think I know the answer to this, but yeah. could you envision an, an FPL team without any City players? No, uh, no, definitely not. Uh, maybe that's me being too um, rigid or something, but they're always one or two matches away from beating some team 5 0, you know, or having a match, you know, where they go 5 0 and then they win the next one 6 0. And every question we have is what combination of Man City players you want to bring into your team. You know, it's just, it's always just around the corner. And I also think there's going to be incredible pressure on them to to come out of the gate uh starting in game week 13 and and get some wins right i mean they're in fourth yeah. place right now it's an incredibly talented team is in fourth yeah, place this, this goes one of two ways either it becomes just a colossal disaster of a season that ends in tears for everyone and pep goes to saudi arabia or something like that or it the more likely scenario is just as you're saying like manchester city just start picking up some of the slack and they start crushing teams again yeah, and I, I think I, I so I put my money on the ladder, even with their with their defensive <laughs> issues. Um, I just yeah. I see a turnaround coming. I mean, this Chelsea match. I mean, Chelsea. I I I don't know. Like, I mean, Chelsea could score in that match, but I, I see that I, I could see Man City win that match like three one or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Way to Newcastle and Burnley. I mean, those teams aren't going to be able to handle Man City. So um, yeah, I mean, it's not a great run uh, for sure. I mean. 
Chelsea, Man United. I mean, away to Arsenal is uh, that's probably a good one. But you know, away to Newcastle, Newcastle and Burnley, those aren't easy fixtures. Um, so yeah, double up or triple up is not what I'd recommend. But to not have any players, not have any coverage, uh, yeah. just feels uh, I don't know, feels a little too risky. You look at Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne, and you pick one, and then you move on with your life. Yeah, I. Well said. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, all right. Uh, we have two more questions in this section. Uh, one comes from FPL El Clasico. He says, any reason not to go for triple Liverpool, triple Leicester, and triple Chelsea? I really like a combination of Trent, Rabo, and Mane, Soyuncu, Madison, and Vardy, Tamori, Pulisic, and Tammy Abraham. Add in KDB, Lundstrom, Jimenez, and Pope, who will become Henderson in two weeks, and bingo. <laughs> wow. You know, normally we don't – we don't normally, I don't normally put questions like this in the running order. But when he wrote that, I thought, that is a perfect team. Like, is this, does this qualify as a humble brag? I, I don't think he has this team. It's just like, do you want to – like, <laughs> I mean, if I was wildcarding, I think that's exactly the team yeah. that I would have on a wildcard. I mean, yeah. it's perfect. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, they – I don't know what. So I guess I'll. I mean, what do you think about that team? <laughs> I mean, maybe you want to look at Matt Ryan over Nick Pope over the long term, but uh, you know, you might yeah. be scared about that Liverpool fixture in game week fourteen. But yeah, my only notes here are just like, wow, sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, it is. It it is the case that you make when we say you can't go without Manchester City assets. It's a good reminder that there are, are just tons of other great assets out there i mean el mm-hmm. Clasico does at least mention that kdb is in good the mix for, here and i think him. that yeah. just that that does make it really chef's kiss for me it it does yeah and uh yeah i think yeah i like it too so there you go uh you, you've hit upon the perfect team um at least for two weeks or so the new uh, template. until something bad happens yep all right final question uh it's from fpl Osmo. he says uh the most effective liverpool coverage over this run of fixtures from their upcoming run of fixtures so just to yeah. recap uh liverpool play uh away to palace then home to brighton home to everton away to bournemouth home to watford before leaving, um, at least like I guess they're sending half their squad, right? Because half will be playing in the uh, in this the Carabao Cup. What a yeah, mess. just a complete mess. So again, we've talked about game week eighteen already. Neither of us are in a position yet where we're really building a team in preparation for it. Neither of us have uh, West Ham players we want to have for that run either. So that's not super important. Thank so, God. Yeah. Uh, so what I know, uh, yeah, both of us got, uh, roasted with our West Ham assets. So, <laughs> Bad pick. so you have one, only one right now, Liverpool player. Um, yes. is that, are you concerned about that? No, not at all. I think Trent just gets to sit for game week 18. Trent is, if you're wildcarding today, Trent is the first one in, I think. And I, we, this has become like a Trent Alexander Arnold fan podcast over the last month or so, but yeah. Um, I don't think we need to really explain why. So I think Trent is a hold. And I actually, it's what I was saying earlier. Like I have that voice in my head of like, can you just hang on through game week 18 to wait to bring in other players? Yeah. But they just have, they do have an incredible run the next four or five weeks. And if I were to say like the perfect triple up starting now, and and maybe even you ignore that game week 18 is an issue. I think it's, I think I slightly lean toward the attacking triple up with Trent Mane and Salah. Now yeah. we've got the Salah boot 
situation. Right. You've boot got gate. the mon- boot gate. You've got limp gate with Mane. Apparently he limped off, limped off for Senegal um, a couple of days ago. Uh, all things being equal, I'm just feeling the attack right now. Robertson is the obvious fourth player in this discussion. And, right. you know, maybe I just say it's equally good to go Trent and Robbo and then take your pick between Mane and Salah. But I slightly lean toward the attack. Um, I, I guess I, I'm more in the uh, the two the two fullbacks and and Salah versus Mane thing. I mean, I, I it's hard to make an argument for Salah over Mane at this point. Uh, Mane does seem like he's the foreign player. He's still slightly cheaper, although not much cheaper at this point. He's only 35 35.7% of managers. That's I remember when he overtook Salah for ownership, and now he's he's ten percent ahead of him in terms of ownership, yeah. which is a huge huge wow. jump. Uh, although let's, let's also know that Salah did outscore him by one point uh, last game week, so no big deal. Yeah, yeah no big deal. Uh, that was that was a, a massive three hundred spot ranking boost for me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm more in the fullback camp, but it's a better having, use of money. I I, I guess you could argue going the double fullback. Yeah. yeah. But having having two fullbacks from the same team uh, when they blank in game week eighteen, and I don't know. I mean, those players don't get rotated too much, but you'd have to think they're both at risk of some rotation over the holidays. Um, even if they weren't going to go to uh, where, where is it again? Is it in Qatar? Is that where I can't remember where they're doing the um, Yo, the dude, World Club I, Cup I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Somewhere, I right, do a so, lot of preparation yeah. for these for for, for these podcasts, <laughs> and that that was low on the list. Yeah, let's say one 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 defender, one midfielder is at the very least. I, th- I would think yeah. would be what you want, but uh, you only have one, and you're fine. So I don't know. Maybe just one defender. <laughs> <laughs> it feels bad not having an attacker, but uh, you've gotten away with it know. so far. Yeah, so uh, far so good. All right, let's take a break and we'll get back and we have a few big picture questions to get to. All right, let's take a minute to talk about our good friends at Untuck It. Uh, have you ever seen an untucked button down, Josh? Do the, do the untucked button downs look good? No, I. It's, you know, it's funny. I always think of the person at the wedding, the like the sweaty like da- guy who's dancing who untucks yeah. the shirt and sort of yeah. hanging down and like it's got the like uh, the wrinkles you know for being untucked for being tucked in at one point you know it's, it's not a good look brand it's too long almost always i was telling you that my wife and i last night we watched this movie mississippi grind this is a plug for mississippi grind but there's a scene in which ryan reynolds has a white button-down shirt tucked in and then the next scene, it's untucked and it's like wrinkle free and it looks kind of normal. I'm like, that is the most unrealistic thing I've seen in this movie, because usually when you <laughs> untuck your shirt, it looks terrible. Listen, yeah. they just look bad. And why do button downs untuck look bad? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's untuck it. They're the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your shape, no matter your size, untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. Imagine, Josh, unwrapping a box on Christmas morning, and it's a beautiful new, like it's like a beautiful color, a beautiful fit, a nice <laughs> well, untuck it for you. They they sent us a couple of shirts, and you uh, you brought you brought your, mine over to me, and I was actually really excited, and they were super nice. I'm not even just saying that; they, they was like it was a really nice feel and fit, and. 
uh, it, it you know looked great too. I worked to work the next day. Totally, yeah. We've both worn our Untucket shirts to work, and and I also felt pretty good wearing it. You can find your favorite Untucket style online. Check out one of their eighty brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs. I'm looking at you, Ryan Reynolds. Super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big ever again. And their website is so easy to use; they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. Whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and the promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, Brian, we're back. Part two of the mailbag. I have selected five questions that I think are interesting big picture questions. These are questions about uh, about fantasy in general, but really questions to keep in mind as we look ahead to the next uh, two-thirds of the season. There's still so much season to go, man. It's, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, don't tell me about it. <laughs> uh, all right. First one comes from Disable. He says, how do you separate emotions and bias from your decision-making? Is our emotion and bias sometimes a good thing? Is that our gut... Could you play this game without emotion? Yeah. I think my response to Luke's question here is I I don't think you have to focus on playing a cold, calculating, unemotional version of FPL. A, that mm-hmm. doesn't sound very fun to me. Mm-hmm. The whole idea, I don't know if this is in the spirit of Luke's question, but to get in players that you like, players that you have fun watching, and... I think that also leads you down a path of using the eye test, which is you know sometimes maligned and it can sometimes deceive you. But I trust my eye test equally. It's on equal footing as trusting stats, interpretation of stats and, and looking at heat maps and various things like that. So the separation of, of emotions from your decision making, it just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. You know, one thing I was thinking about as you were talking about this is we, you and I both know we have friends who are pretty, pretty calculating and, and pretty, pretty stats based. I mean, I'm thinking of our friends, Dave Wagner, Lodell, and Nick Wright, for example, uh, longtime friends of the podcast and, and Patreon supporters. And they're, they're, they're both, you know, really stat based and, and can separate emotion and bias from their decision making. But, you know, for them, it's really fun you know, uh, to, to play that way. Like it's, that's part of the fun is to make that like kind of like the right decision. And for me, it's not fun. Uh, you know, I, like I going with my gut is part of what makes the game enjoyable for me. Um, and, and sort of taking big risks that, that occasionally kind of blow up. Um, and so I, I think, I'm not sure that I think that the eye test is necessarily better or not, but I feel like when I make a decision using the eye test and it works out, that is maybe the most fun that I have in the game, you know? Right. Like yeah. when you just take a huge risk or a huge punt on somebody and it and it and it works, you know? That's just you feel like a genius, you know, you feel like yeah. you're the only genius in fantasy, you know, and it's such yeah. a fun feeling. Shout out to Danny Bean, who captained Gerard de la Feu last season when he hit a hat trick. And that's a move that, you know, if you're if you write into an FPL pundit and suggest that you're going to do that, you're going to be laughed off the Internet. But Danny had fun. It worked out for him. I and mean, more often than not, those aren't going to work. But that, that's that's one end of that playing but, with emotion yeah. spectrum. But, 
and he still talks about it all the time, right? <laughs> I feel like I barely have a conversation with him where he doesn't talk about the fact that he Captain Jerry Del Feo last, you know, and it's like that is part of the fun is like if you never do that, you never have those moments where you're like, like yeah. I mean, you know, I, I brought in Team of Pookie before game week two, and I feel like I made a meal out of that. I brought it up like in every podcast for six or seven weeks, you know, until he, uh, Stop being good. You know, it was like I really, really had like a nice, you know, it's you can make a meal out of that kind of stuff. And then the the other side is like the Dusan Tadic effect, right? Where right. he was right. always the stats darling and the person who A, had got on the Tadic bandwagon previously and been, had been burned emotionally. They're like, well, I'm not doing that again. You may right. all say that uh, the stats point me to bring him in again. But my bias, my my gut, and also looking at the state of Southampton uh, helped some managers avoid falling into that trap. So it's a, it's yeah. a cocktail of everything. That's true, and I, yeah, that's actually my issue with uh, with Anthony Martial, and I, I guess you could extend that to uh, Daryl Yanmat, You know, who are two players that a lot of people are asking about, and I just don't trust either team. You know, and and that's. It's my kind of personal feelings, and maybe those are biases, but my just my my feelings are that Man United still aren't very good, and that Watford aren't very good, and I just don't want yeah. anything to do with those teams still, you know. And maybe that's going to come back to hurt me, but that's that's where I am with on that. What's the latest on your midichlorian count, Josh? I mean, maybe <laughs> that can help us learn how to trust your gut instinct here. I reveal it on our Star Wars pod, Brandon. So that's, <laughs> nice it's a great tease for that. Uh, all right. Next question is from Shiva FPL, who says, should the FPL history of a podcaster, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this to say podcaster or, you know, FPL content creator, should the FPL history of a, of a podcaster content creator matter? Uh, in other words, can a person who has never achieved a very good overall rank guide others on how to achieve one, on how to achieve theirs? Well, uh, it, it's an interesting question because there are a lot of FPL content creators out there, I think. The important distinction is who is out there putting a mess, who's a content creator out putting a message out there that says, listen to what I have to say and you will immediately become a better fantasy manager. Right. Uh, Are you asking me who who, who does that? No, no, I'm not asking you. I'm just saying like that's that's a a signal to to look for. And I mean, we're, we're spending this podcast answering listener questions and trying to help guide thinking we never set out to say, listen to Always Cheating and you will win FPL. Right. We our, our goal is to chat about it and to try and replicate an environment that you might have with your friends where you're just chatting constructively or for fun about yeah. fantasy. And peppered in there will hopefully be some tips and some things that can help you realize uh, uh, ways of playing FPL that you hadn't thought of before. So I like yep. – so I, I – I I bristle at this idea that you have to hold content creators to, to some sort of higher standard because I think a lot of people are just doing this to be part of a really fun game and a really fun conversation and follow and or unfollow at your leisure. Yeah, I think, you know, um, last year when you and I, second half of the season, we were both, you know, inside the top 10K, um, you know, I got in the top 1,000 for a few weeks and our overall ranks became a, a real part of the podcast. It's like kind of a talking point uh, in a way that it never had been the first you know three years that we were doing the pod. Um, and I think that sort of carried over to this season. And we kind of were back kind of where, you know, I mean, like 
we both have really strong histories and, and that's, that's, you know, I mean, if, you know, if we were just always bad, <laughs> that would not be, that would not be good. But I yeah. mean, you know, it was like normal and we were still sort of talking about overall rank, but it wasn't interesting anymore as a talking point because it's really only interesting if you're like, if you're, if you're creating content, and you're 3 million overall, that's interesting. <laughs> if you're creating yeah. content and you're like in the top 10 K that's interesting, but kind of anywhere in between, you're just like, everyone is listening, you know? And so the podcast was never really, you know, until that little stretch about, how we were doing, like in terms of the kind of big picture of fantasy, you know, um, and I, I don't think that's a particularly, I, I don't, I don't know, I just think like you know, it's like it's kind of like it's like going. I mean, not to, I don't know if this is like a pretentious metaphor or not, but it's you know, it's like if you go to therapy or something, it's like you just sort of talk about stuff. It's like the person you're talking to doesn't like isn't answering your questions. You know, you're just sort of like, you're just talking it out and you're sort of like, as you sort of talk this stuff out, you're like, Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Or, you know, it gets you thinking in your own head or whatever. And so I almost feel like listening to a podcast or reading an article or whatever, it's like, you don't have to agree with what they're saying. It's just having the conversation and starting to think about it is like the first step in you making a decision, you know, about a transfer or captain or, you know, whatever. I love that. I think that's the the perfect response. If you are interested, you can find links to our team histories, at uh, on the about section of alwayscheating.com. Look in Marvel. <laughs> yeah, look in, yeah, you'll be very impressed. Um, and, oh, yeah, I mean, plenty of good, plenty of good finishes. Uh, Ian Stimson uh, says, uh, when in the season do you start easing up on the chasing of price rises, if indeed you do, uh, if indeed you chase them in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess technically the only point you're really ever allowed to stop chasing price rises is asked after you've played your second wild card, which typically these days happens you know, around game week 33, game week 34, before yeah. double game weeks, because the whole idea of building your team value really only ever truly comes into play when you play that second wild card, because it's the difference between you getting uh, John McGinn or Mason Mount as right. a fourth or, f- or f- a fourth midfielder, uh, for for example. That said, I think both of us are kind of lukewarm. You're you're colder than me on chasing team value i do think yeah. that it's kind of a fun game within a game that you can play well coming if, around a little bit okay. to be honest why but, well just because it's hurt me so much this year um i think that it, i was never a big fan of it because it didn't feel like you had quite so much like kind of fpl monoculture stuff happening you know where it feels like everyone sort of moves in a wave towards one or two players now um in a way that we didn't used to see and so now it's like if tammy abraham takes off he goes from 7 million to 7.5 million in two weeks you know and i feel like it's i feel like that stuff moves a lot faster than it used to be um and so it sort of hurts you two ways you know one is that you you they're just much more expensive uh but the other is that their ownership gets super high so suddenly you're in a position where you're really hurt if you don't have them um, and so I, and even I think within, I'm even starting to, to make transfers earlier in the game week, you know, than I used to, um, to play that price rise game a little bit. Cause I just, um, I don't know, I feel like I'm really getting caught out on team value this year and, uh, I've just been a little too patient, I think. So, um, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just like a one-off this season, you know, I mean, the way that I've played, I, I traditionally, I, I have not paid that much attention to price changes and it has not hurt me. Um, but this season it has, so I don't know. I don't know if that is a new trend or just kind of a, a one-off. This season has been an interesting, uh, you look at Chelsea and so many players that have unexpectedly become must-haves from Tammy Abraham and Mount might be coming out at the end of that 
yeah. story, but this season in particular feels like it has a, had a lot of unexpected players that we all jumped on and, of course, caused their prices to skyrocket. Yeah, I think you, you can't be blind to the price changes, but if chasing price changes is, you find, causing you to actually make rash and, and poor decisions, then step back and sort of reconsider your the framework of how you're making your transfers. Like say, for example, you're just going to bring in this new player just because he's a bandwagon, he's increasing in, in price. And just trusting that that's a good decision just to make based on their value as opposed to the value that they'll bring in terms of FPL points, that's not the way you want to play. Nope, it's it's not fun either. So, you know, fun. Let's, let's, let's always keep the fun in the game, Brandon, okay? Yeah. Uh, we're not accountants here, you know? Let's <laughs> not be accountants. <laughs> All right, two more questions. One comes from Ian, FPL Strategic. He says, what factors go into dropping a player? For example, how many blanks would it take for you to drop Vardy? How does this compare to Puki or Abraham or Sabayo? I God, I cannot say that guy's name. Or a 7 to 8 million player or a defender. So... Let's let's just stick with Vardy here, okay? Just to make things easier. Okay. What would it take for you to drop Jamie Vardy right now? Assuming no injuries. Um no injuries, and I'm assuming red cards are out of this conversation as well. Yeah, let's say no, like let's say that you have no reason to drop him except for his form. I I think the reason to drop him would be a to see a suitable replacement. Right. And I think you you start casting around if you're growing impatient with the player and you start casting around for players who are equally unreliable, uh, then you create a problem for yourself. So that would be just individually. I think the the more helpful way to answer this question would be if Lester's team, if Lester's, Lester's team form fell off of a cliff, mm-hmm. if like crucial midfielders like Tielemans and Madison became injured and out that would lessen Vardy's potency. So long as the, I mean, the thing that's really exciting about Leicester right now is there's this full, full onslaught of attack from every player in front of the back four. And therefore Vardy will always get these opportunities. So if you start picking away at those players that play just behind Vardy, then maybe you can see the writing on the wall that Vardy's value or his, his FPL output is, maybe going to disappear. So that would be something to consider. I wish I could have five Lester players in my team right now. <laughs> I, I would absolutely, if it were possible, I would be looking at bringing in five players. <laughs> uh, the three that I already have, plus I, I kind of want to have Chilwell and, uh, and Madison too. And, uh, you know, throw in Pereira as well. I'll have six, Brandon. Just give me six Lester players. Double up on that on that team. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's uh, it's always a tricky question. I think, uh, like you said, replacement is a big factor. Um, I think it is a real trap, one that many of us fall into when a player loses their form, to assume that that next fixture is the one that's going to save them. You know, and this is the the Timu Puki dilemma, where it was hard to drop him for weeks and weeks because they just had a, kind of a nice run you know we were like well you know Bournemouth always concede uh so I'm going to keep him for that one you know um and then Bournemouth like kind of went in this run of of clean sheets and then you're like well they're home to Watford Watford are terrible so I've got to keep him for that one uh but now Watford's defense is much more solid and um you know you can't like you can't wait for a game week to save you and sometimes you just have to 
you know, I had this feeling for a while that I wanted to just move him straight to Jimenez, and I should—I wish I would have trusted my instincts there and and thought more about the players themselves instead of yeah. the fixtures that were coming up. Right, right. I mean, the—I wish every decision was as easy as Issa Diop at West Ham. I brought him in. I had I gave him four weeks. West Ham had three clean sheets on the bounce before they just started looking absolutely abject and terrible. And the decision was pretty much made for me. Um, And I just, sadly, the decision to drop a player is never that easy, Uh, particularly when you're talking about players like Sterling and Salah, who who have such a long history of, of great output. So in in those examples, sometimes it is just a leap of of faith. And going back to Luke's question of trusting that that instinct and that emotion that you may have about that player. Final question, Brandon, for this all mailbag podcast. Sean McCall says, "When is a hit truly justified? Is it to bring in an obvious captain choice? Is it to deal with an injury? Um, is it expecting a large return over five game weeks or never?" Well, it's certainly not never. Um, hits can pay off. You took a hit, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? And yeah. you brought in Vardy and Telemans and that yep. really worked out for you. Yep. So I, I, I think when you identify a player, like in your case, Jamie Vardy, that you really want or you slash need them and you're going to captain them, then yeah, that's that's the perfect storm of when you want to take a hit. I think – what we've seen, at least in the FPL community that we have our eyes on, a lot of people wondering about taking hits by at the same time underestimating the value of the player that they're removing to take that hit. And sometimes I think you want a player now um, and you're going to take a minus four to do that. But in so doing, you remove a player that could easily just at least bridge another game week gap for you and allow you to not take that hit and make the move just another week from, yep. from now. And sometimes those players, I mean, everyone has like a story about a player that they were just about to move who did. I mean, the, the one for me is, uh, I always think of David Brooks, uh, who was a player that was on the chopping block for weeks and weeks and weeks for me last season. And I just couldn't quite, I always had like a more pressing issue to deal with, you know, and then, um, it was like game, it was some it was some holiday fixture last season where he came through the brace, you know, <laughs> and it was like I felt like I was like the last. It was it's like, it'd be like a Pookie went off in game week thirteen. Whoever ever still has him is like I am the last manager that still has Team Pookie. I get these go I get these points like kind of all to myself, uh, and that's what I felt with with David Brooks last season. Um, so yeah, sometimes sometimes the best hit is no hit, but yeah, I mean like you said, I, I agree that there are certainly times when it works out, and um, yeah, sometimes you have to do it just to like. I don't know. Like sometimes you have to do it because you're just you just need to shake up your team. And it's it just like has an to adrenaline shot in your yeah. uh, in your heart, sort of a thing. Yeah, it's something to look forward to. Um, but I but I, I think also like if you're freeing up money, that can be a good time to do it as well. Like if you're like like we were talking about price changes before. If there's if there's a player you want to have and you really want to move them like the next week, but that you know that player is going to rise point two or point three. I think sometimes there's a you could justify taking a hit early in that case as well. You know, yeah. One thing we've noticed this season, though, particularly if you're in the you know 100k to 800k, you're in that that meaty 100k ish overall rank. You're mm-hmm. separated from you know a really great overall rank and your overall rank by it could be like ten points 
yep. 15 points. Yep. That minus four is in the, at this particular moment in time, in this particular season, that minus four is actually more valuable than you may think it is. So I think it's just, I don't want it to be, you should always err on the side of caution, but I just think you should appropriately value those four points that you're throwing around. I agree. Yeah. I mean, cause that's, that's a, that's a, that four points is a goal from a forward. It's a, it's difference between a clean sheet and a lost clean sheet for a defender. You know, it's, it's not nothing. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, I think that that four point can get a little undervalued sometimes. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's close up that mailbag. Thank you for uh, all your questions. If we didn't get to your question, we do apologize. But listen, we answer questions every week. So maybe next week, <laughs> it's your week. Don't drop yourself from your squad just yet. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe next week is your game week. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, all right, so th- thank, you for, thank you for listening. And uh, just... Well, I guess it's about to end it here. I mean, Gaming 13 is a couple days away. I feel like we already talked we talked a little bit about Gaming 13 or just the upcoming fixture. We haven't talked too much about Gaming 13 itself. Uh, just before we leave, Brandon, uh, two questions. One is, um, what are your what are your tra- what are your plan transfers? And two, who do you plan to captain for this team for this game week? Right. So I have two free transfers going into game week 13 and Aguero has been uh, a failed project the last four weeks or so, a couple of failed captaincies in there. He's going to go. And like we were discussing, Aubameyang is kind of a a punt, but um, I think I'm like 95% sure that Aguero becomes Jimenez. And uh, then I move my non-playing defender to a Leicester defender. Uh, then what that what that still leaves me to do in the coming weeks is decide what I want to do with Liverpool attackers. Mm-hmm. But assuming I have a front line of Vardy, Abraham, Jimenez, that's that seems to be the preferred template of front front three right now. If you're playing a three four three, right, and that's that's where I want to be. Which would leave my bus team captain right now is Raheem Sterling. He started. Uh, today against Kosovo let's see England have been finishing this match while we've been recording looks like they won 4-0 and Sterling played the full 90 and he did not score he had an assist to Marcus Rashford and that was the extent of it but I would say he's he's probably a lot to start home against Chelsea so what, what do you think about that captaincy choice he's my vice captain right now um I have my mm-hmm. captaincy on on Jamie Vardy but um okay. I think that uh I think Sterling is is reasonable as well. Uh, yeah, it's a tricky week for the captaincy. I'd say. Um, I think uh, we don't really know what's happening with Liverpool right now. Um, Mane and Salah both have a little bit of doubt around them. Um, so I, you know, it's hard. It's hard to to suggest one of the one of the midfielders from that team. Yeah, I mean. You know, I, I saw some people talking about like Lundstrom at home to Man United. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, don't, um, I yeah. love the magical thinking there, but uh, let's yeah. be real. I mean, I guess if you were thinking about Aubameyang, he would have to be considered a, a, a prime captain pick for, for game week 13, right? I mean, home to Southampton. Yeah, home Southampton. It is, it is tempting. It just seems like such a short-term pick, but maybe maybe that's what I need. I mean, I, I don't want to languish in this in this rank where I am at and, and continue to make sort of safe choices. I mean, Jimenez, uh, he bagged a brace for Mexico over the break. He's still in just great form away. Bournemouth for wolves. How highly do you rate that fixture for them? Not that highly. I mean, I, I guess I 
probably think they would score, but I don't feel, I wouldn't feel great about it, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's a tough choice. It, definitely food for thought. Uh, Aubameyang is, it seems fun. It does yeah. seem fun. Yeah. But I can, I can see the appeal of Jimenez and obviously the, the, there's, you just have so much more money in that, in that case as well. Yeah. And I love money, Josh. I love it. <laughs> uh, what about far- you? What are you, what moves are you talking about? I'm well, I, okay. So I'm considering either not making any moves and uh, just rolling with my, with my team as is, which would be like, a, I have like a four, four, two in that case. Um, it feels like I'd have three, God, I guess I would if include my goalkeeper. Four of my defenders would be playing away matches in that case, which feels like a lot. Uh, so one move I'm considering is um, I have, I actually still have Fredericks as just like a, he's like, third bench spot right now kind of just like taking up space um i would consider dropping fredericks for a 4.5 million or cheaper defender um and in that case i would be debating between a probably a sheffield united defender or an aston villa defender and might lean towards aston villa uh maybe maybe someone like jaber although again i think that um the center back would probably be the way to go so maybe maybe someone like uh, tyron mings um, and, uh, just because I don't know, like, I, I just feel like they've got, um, they've got a good fixture in game week 13, but they also have a really good fixture in game week 18. So if I'm, if I'm looking ahead to that blank and if I'm in a situation where I have to Liverpool players and I have to bench them all, um, I would like to have a team that had a really good fix. I would like to bring in a player that had a good fixture in the game week 18, uh, and they play uh, Southampton at home in game week 18. Uh, so that's, that's something I'm thinking about as well. And obviously West Ham don't even play. So I really, I really do need to move Fredericks, uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, so I might just do that now. Um, the question is whether I do that now when I don't necessarily need to, cause my starting 11 is good enough. Um, and would I rather have more flexibility to make two transfers next week, you know, and burn, right. and, you know, and move those players out. So I, I'm sort of depending, I, I think a lot of it also depends on uh, what's going on with Mo Salah. I mean, if it comes out that Salah is, you know, out for a month or something, then obviously he's got to be the first player out. In which case, I mm-hmm. genuinely don't know what I would do. I mean, I <laughs> I guess I would consider. Um, did Sun go to uh, South Korea? Do you know? Is that um, did he did he play of the internationals? Yeah, I'm not sure. I can yeah. I can look right now if you're able to vamp a bit. No, it's it's a it's not. I mean, I, you know, the, he would just be a player that I would maybe consider. Um, as a, as a possible replacement for Salah, I don't really feel like being doubled up right now on on Man City um, in their midfield. Kind of as we already discussed, um, I guess I could just go Salah to Mane. Uh, it feels so lateral. I don't know, like you know, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I would do that. Maybe that's just the smart move. So Son did, uh, Son yeah. did play against Lebanon on Thursday, and South Korea play on Tuesday against oh, Brazil. So you would brutal. You would expect okay. them to, 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 so, for Son to play. So yeah. no Son. Yeah, I mean he's, he just can't bring him in, right? He's not going to start gaming thirteen now. So yeah, right. uh, or most likely he won't. He usually doesn't. Uh, it's so it's so brutal, isn't it? It's so unfair for uh, these players who to come from a continent away. You know, it puts them at such a yeah. disadvantage after the after the breaks. So yeah, yeah my, I guess the short answer is I don't. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to be doing yet. And uh, um, you know, one thing that's nice though is I that this upcoming Saturday, uh, I'm sure people who who travel for work sometimes have this before, but 
I, I'm going to be at a conference that entire day on Saturday. I'm not going to be able to watch any of the matches. And so sometimes I feel like what creeps into my captain decision-making or my transfers is like, oh, I'd be free to watch so-and-so play, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like, oh, like, oh, I've got a birth, I've got a kid's birthday party that morning. But if I captain a player who was in the late fixture on Saturday, I'll get to see them play or I'll get to, you know, if I transfer them in, I'll get to watch them. Uh, and I think we're all guilty of doing that sometimes. And so in this sure. case, uh, that will not be a factor. And, um, and in fact, that might be like between Vardy and Sterling, I kind of wonder if Sterling is slightly more tempting just because he plays the later match that day, you know, the solo yeah. match, uh, the final right. match of the day, whereas it's easier if, to follow. Yeah. And if Vardy doesn't, uh, doesn't do anything in the early fixture, then you yeah. just have to sweat out what happens in that Man City game afterwards. <laughs> Get a good sweat going. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, always a weird game week after international break. So hard to really predict what the results in the starting lineups are going to be. So yeah, lots of tough decisions to make. But I will be back on Thursday for our Patreon supporters doing a kitchen table session. I'll talk about my game week 13 decision making, taking any last minute deadline questions from our supporters. If you're interested in becoming a patron getting access to ad-free podcasts and our Slack uh, to chat with other managers and about all sorts of things. Just go to patreon.com slash always cheating. As always, we like to thank our producer patrons at this point. Josh, give them what they've asked for. <laughs> uh, thank you to Andy Martin, Andy Portlock, Peter Bodictel, Barry McGuire, Paul Hertzig, Brian Jacobson, Eddie Penn, Jazz Binning, Chris Carter, Bob Coon, James Holland. Victor Forberg, Victor Forberg, Skogan went a little too fast there. Blair Jacobson, Nick Wright, Stian Niehaus, Ben Grant, Jeff Husby, Trevor Ingerson, Brian T, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Kaya Kirsting Leleng, Brian Chin, Travis West, Frederick Kean Gransky, Dave Wagner Lodell, Martin Savage, Chris Howell, Stephen Toomey, and Mike DePietro. Brian, I feel like we mentioned like four of those patrons early on in this podcast too. So become a producer and you'll you'll find yourself worked into many <laughs> always G <cheap> podcasts over <laughs> yeah, the episode. You become a part of the family and we yep. appreciate all of our uh, producers, all of our supporters. And honestly, we do just appreciate anyone who listens, particularly listens this far into the podcast. But thanks for listening, telling your friends, fellow FPL players about always cheating. That's just a huge boost for me and Josh, just just emotionally, really, uh, <laughs> if, if anything. For sure. And for if sure. you, you want to make sure you never miss an episode of Always Cheating, just subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd be so kind to leave us a great review we love five star reviews on apple Podcasts. Yeah, absolutely helps, love helps people find the podcast when you do that so uh thank you for thank you for that and find us on social media twitter at hell cheaters instagram at hell cheaters facebook.com slash always cheating send us an email with your lengthy messages hail cheaters at gmail.com find all this information and more including the always cheating shop at always cheating.com josh I'm glad that neither of us are truly suffering from IBS right now. And Game Week 13 will be here before we know it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking forward to Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's already Sunday afternoon, right? So the, the matches would have been over no matter what. So, yeah, now we can just – it's, it's <laughs> done. Like we got it through happened. it. Yeah, we got yeah, through another yeah, one. <laughs> uh, so thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Poku forever. Bye.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.